Fading Memories is sponsored by I'm Up. I'm Up is an app that gives you independence, security, and peace of mind. Find it in your favorite app store and use invite code 006 when you sign up. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Before we get into today's helpful episode, I have a little favor to ask you. Can you make sure to go on Apple Podcasts and rate and review Fighting Memories? This is the best way for new people to find the show, and I can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know I exist. And also, pop over to the website fadingmemoriespodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. Now that I'm into year two, I've got some exciting things coming out that I would like to share with you, and I don't always have to be yakking in your ear to do that. So if you do those two things, I'd really love it. Now, on to today's show. With me today is Danielle. She is with Boomer Benefits, and she's going to give us the lowdown on everything Medicare that we need to know as older adults and definitely as caregivers. So thanks for joining me, Danielle. You bet. Hi there. How are you? Doing great. So you are a Medicare insurance expert. So tell us a little bit about your company and what you do. Sure. So Boomer Benefits is a licensed insurance agency that operates in 47 states, helping people with their Medicare supplements, Medicare Advantage plans, Part D drug plans. And we, I would say that a a large part of our job is actually educating people on how their original Medicare benefits work because they're big, scary government benefits with four parts and 10 standardized options and too many drug options and enough to confuse just about anybody. So we spend a a great deal of time with our clients, helping them first understand the benefits that they already are getting through the federal government. And then we help them select suitable supplemental coverage to sort of fill in the gaps. That sounds terrific. I'm not even close to Medicare age and Medicare won't talk to me on mom's behalf, which we'll Uh, get to in a minute. Um, So this will be good because then I'll, I'll at least have more knowledge after today than I do now. You bet. Yeah, we work with a lot of caregivers, um, especially it can be a little challenging when you don't really, in the beginning, when you're trying to figure out what coverage they have and trying to communicate with Medicare can be a little tricky in that scenario. Well, my parents had have a trust, a living trust, that my sister and I are co-equal trustees on. Okay. And Medicare says that I, if they want to talk to me or if I want to talk to them, I have to get a representative payee, which I understand is a third person and another bank account and just another layer of headache. And I have talked (laughs) to people in my position in my county. So I would assume that their experience is relevant. And they say, we've done it. It's a nightmare. Don't do it. (laughs) So because my mom has... Beyond excellent health care through my dad's retirement from the phone company, mm-hmm. I don't worry about Medicare too much. They take care yeah. of what they take care of and the rest of it, I just deal with her doctors. And Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they literally will like not talk idea. to me. Yeah. They will not talk to me. It's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we I hear that a lot about them. And, you know, there's, if you didn't have the trust, it would be a little bit easier because you can file a form and they can put that on, on 
you know, on their file, but even then they sometimes will give some pushback. So it's always challenging. I guess that's just because it's the government. Yes, that's what I think. (laughs) They're the federal government. They can't make anything easy. (laughs) That's true. Well, I don't think there's anything easy when it comes to healthcare. No. No. So what are some of the most important things people should learn about Medicare before they turn 65 and need to enroll? So I've got like, what am I, 52? So that's a little less than 13 years. It'll yes. change It'll change in that time frame. <laughs> that's the perfect time to start learning. Um, we actually have a lot of people who will contact us kind of 63, 64 when they're beginning to look at all of their benefits. And that's a great time to start getting an idea of uh, how the coverage works and what your options are. But I often say I wish they had a class that people could go to at age 50 where the federal government just let people know that Medicare isn't free. And even though you've had payroll deductions all your working life that you have thought were going to pay for your Medicare, you will find out one day that that only pays for your Medicare inpatient hospital benefits. And that when you turn 65 and join Medicare, you will have premiums that you pay for outpatient coverage, premiums that you pay for drug coverage, and premiums that you'll need to pay for some sort of supplemental or advantage coverage so that you're not um, footing 20% of the bill for things like knee replacements or, you know, dialysis, which is astronomically expensive. So one of the most important things is just to know that, um, you know, when you're looking at your social security check and you're counting on however much that is into your budget, you need to know that they're going to be deducting a portion of that out for your Medicare. And so it's important that you save up for that and that you're aware in 2019, Most people pay $135.50 a month for Part B. About 95% of the population pays that. But if you earn more, if you happen to be someone in a higher earning bracket, then you can pay considerably more than that. So, um, you know, all said and done, by the time you set up your Part B and then your drug coverage and your supplement, an average couple could easily be spending five or $600 a month for their Medicare. And that doesn't include the like supplemental insurance like my mom has, the stuff from the phone company. It, that would include it. So if they were if they were at the base Part B premium of 135, then depending on where they live, like here in Texas, a female turning 65, non-smoker, she can get a plan G supplement, which is pretty comprehensive for around hundred dollars a month. And so that would be, I usually say around 250 to 300 is a good ballpark for somebody here in Texas uh, to estimate what they're going to spend when they turn 65 if they go the traditional Medigap route. Um, But if you live somewhere like Washington or Florida or Connecticut, you'll pay considerably more because cost of healthcare in those areas are, is more expensive. And so therefore your supplement can also be more expensive there. That's crazy. Now do they, they must automatically deduct that out of your social security check. Yeah, they do. And you know, also if you, um, today we have so many people that delay their social security. So if you, if you, enroll in Medicare and you're not taking social security check yet, they will bill you quarterly or you can set up monthly bank draft. That makes sense because I know for my generation, my, I was born in 66, barely the end. Um, I don't think I qualify for social security until I'm 67 and a half. I recall that change way back yeah, until when you get to your full retirement age. Yeah. <laughs> full so, retirement age is like, 
That's hundred. <laughs> and that grows with time. The longer you wait, uh, I think you can, the latest you can take your check is 70 and a half for social security, I think. Okay. That, that is the largest check that you get. So we have, uh, you know, people in both camps, there are people that take it right at 62, uh, the, the, as soon as they possibly can. And, and then they're going to get the smallest benefit. Um, I've got a friend that's a financial planner. He was on my uh, YouTube channel with me and he said that people that take their social security benefits at age 62 will get 70% of what they would get if they waited till their full retirement age, which is like you said, around 67 and a half. Makes sense. With longevity in my family, my paternal grandmother just turned 101. Wow. Yeah. She's doing quite well. Good Mind is good. She's mostly blind from glaucoma. And now she says her hearing's not so great, which, you know, 101. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's the world is loud, so that doesn't surprise me. And my maternal grandmother, who she either had, well, I know she had, and this sounds like a harsh term, she had a brain aneurysm that leaked for three months. Okay. At the end of her life, she was in the same physical, mental zone as a late term person living with Alzheimer's. I, see. So I don't know if she actually had Alzheimer's or if it was strictly due to the aneurysm that leaked for so long, but she lived to be 91 despite having no memories, you know, mm -hmm. nothing good was going on the last few years. Yeah. So I have to, uh, I have to plan for a lot more years ahead <laughs> of me. I got probably as many in front of me as I do behind me. I'm officially middle-aged. I tell people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I haven't had a perfect year yet. So that's what I tell people. Like when I start having that perfect year, I might worry that yes. it might be almost over. Cause you know, it's just keep moving forward. I don't have too much choice. <laughs> that's right. It's all you can do good or bad. You got to keep trucking. That is very true. So since Medicare doesn't cover a hundred percent of a person's healthcare experience, what are their options for filling those gaps and supplementing their coverage? We kind of touched on it a little bit. Yeah. So on average, Medicare covers about 80% of your healthcare costs, and then you pay the other 20% and you pay things like deductibles and co-pays. So the difference, the big difference between Medicare and what type of insurance that you've had under 65 is that insurance that you've had through a former employer or through the healthcare exchange has a deductible and then also a stop loss or an out-of-pocket maximum. So for example, you might hit your deductible at 3,000, then the insurance company pays 80, you pay 20, and if the 20% that you're still spending plus your deductible hits 5,000 in a year, then you're done and the insurance company covers 100% for the rest of the year. And that's the type of insurance you have when you're under 65. With Medicare, that 20% goes on forever. So if you have something like chemotherapy and you're gonna go through eight weeks of treatment there, you're paying that 20% and there's no stop loss to protect you from medical bankruptcy. You're gonna spend and spend and spend. So almost immediately after Medicare was created in the 60s, several insurance companies rolled out Medigap plans, which are just another term for Medicare supplement. And these are insurance policies that pay after Medicare. So Medicare gets your claim, processes it, sends the remainder to your Medigap company. They pay their share based on which of the 10 Medigap plans that you chose. 
you can pick one like a plan F that covers absolutely everything where you'll have not a single dime out of pocket on any part, part A or B covered service. And you could go to the other extreme and do um, one that covers 50% of the benefit or 50% or, or of the cost that you would have normally paid. You can do a plan N where you pay one of the deductibles, which is your outpatient deductible, and you have some co-pays. So just depending on um, where you need your premiums to fall, of course, the lower the benefit, the lower the premium. So if you have a, a very full coverage plan, like the plan F or a plan G, those are going to be the most expensive. And um, those plans will also not include your outpatient drug coverage. So something interesting about Medicare is that for over 40 years, there was no retail outpatient drug coverage. So uh, we would have people with diabetes aging into Medicare and spending $10,000 a year on the medications. And this was awful. And you can imagine there was pushback on it for decades. And finally, they rolled out Part D in 2006, and this functions as a pharmacy card. So you present your pharmacy card, and now instead of paying 100% of all your medications out of pocket, you have a, a drug company that's an insurance company that's going to um, pay a portion of those for you. So you'll just pay a copay like you did before when you fill your medication based on the tier that it falls in. And um, so you would you can have a Medicare supplement and then a drug plan to go alongside that. That's one route that you can go. The other route is what we call Medicare Advantage. Uh, it's also called Part C of Medicare, just to make things a little more confusing. <laughs> they, um, they called it Part C. And so this was a program that was rolled out in 1997 as part of the Balanced Budget Act. And it is an option for you to get your Medicare Part A and B benefits through a private insurance company. And these premiums for a Medicare Advantage plan are typically considerably less than what you would pay for a Medigap plan, but you are agreeing to use a plan that has a network. So you might have an HMO plan where you would have to pick a primary care doctor and see him first before you can see a specialist. You might have a PPO plan where you can visit any doctor on the network that you want and you might be able to even go outside the network and just um, pay a higher cost. So a typical um, plans, most of them are going to be an HMO or PPO network. There are a few other types like special needs plans and private fee-for-service, but for the most part, the HMOs and PPOs are the, the biggest and most well-known. And with an Advantage plan, this, since the premiums are lower up front, instead you will pay co-pays as you go along using the medical services. So you might have a $10 copay at the primary care doctor, a $50 copay at the specialist, if you go into the hospital, it might be $200 a night. And the Advantage plan will also have an out-of-pocket maximum cap to protect you so that if you do have a rough health year and you're spending co-pays left and right, left and right, there's a stopping point to where the insurance company then has to take that over. And these plans have been very popular. Um, in fact, I just read a statistic the other day that approximately 35% of all Medicare beneficiaries are now enrolled in an Advantage plan. And of course, this has a lot to do with the premiums being a lot lower. Um, also, Advantage plans can build in some things that original Medicare doesn't. So for example, you could find an Advantage plan that might have dental vision and hearing benefits. Um, some of them will offer you a gym membership. 
and these are little ancillary extras that they're going to um, entice you to enroll in. And the biggest thing that I would want to share with your audience about an Advantage plan is sometimes people think that when they enroll in an Advantage plan, it means that they don't have to pay for Part B, and that is not the case. So whether you enroll in a Medicare supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan, those are your two routes. No matter which route you go, you will enroll in Part A and B first, and you must continue to pay for your Part B premiums while you're enrolled in the Advantage plan. And I think because some Advantage plans have what are called a zero premium, meaning they don't charge you anything more than beyond what you're already paying for Medicare, people are confused by that and they think that means it negates the whole $135 that they have to pay for Part B. And so um, over the years, I've seen a number of people who will go sign up for their Advantage plan and then cancel their Part B, which promptly caused the Advantage plan to drop them. <laughs> so um, that's a good one to know going in is that you have to enroll in Part B first and you need to keep it because uh, you've got to have that in place. And some Advantage plans also have a, uh, the drug plan built in. So if you like the idea of having your hospital, outpatient, and drug benefits all on one insurance card, that's very appealing as well and, and maybe accounts for some of the reason why the statistically the enrollment trend is really high for Advantage plans. Well, I think that's what my mom has because we do pay small co-pays at the doctor. They're mm -hmm. really small. And she does have a separate drug card. Okay. It gets it gets hard to remember because everything is automated through sure. the memory residence that she's in, which is wonderful for me. And I'm listening going, oh, okay, I think that's what we have. And <laughs> like, we did have an issue. It was my father passed away on the 2nd of March, 2017. So he, they had gotten their social security for that month. And then I think they gave her the survivor benefits and took back. That was confusing. Mm -hmm. But we were expecting it, thankfully. My husband was in banking for 20 years. So he had at least a little bit of knowledge about what yeah. to expect. But what was it? About four months later, I was trying to get doctor bills paid. And, of course, Medicare won't talk to me. Yeah. And talking to the, the network is painful. <laughs> yeah, all that. And it, they were billing it wrong. And, I, and I, I spent four and a half hours on the phone and I told them that I'm not doing this again. I don't have four and a half hours in a week to devote to trying to get you people paid when you're the one screwing up. Yeah. So I told them, this is what everybody told me. You go forth and fix. And I finally just, I'd, I'd get the bills. It was three doctor visits. It was over $1,200. I'm like, oh no. One of them I was with my mom. It was when my dad was in the hospital for a month. And she was at my house for a few days and my sister's house for a few days. And then she'd be in her own home with her sister. I mean, it was just, it was bonkers. And, you know, when you can't remember five minutes ago and you're bounced around all over the place, I mean, it was just stressful. Yeah. And she was getting a little hostile. The dog was getting a little hostile. So I had to <laughs> drug everybody up. <laughs> we literally had like a 10 minute doctor visit to get, I can't remember the drug now. You know, something to just keep her a little more calm in the evenings, especially because, you know, she didn't understand what was going on. It was just mm -hmm. crazy. And it was like over $300. And I just told him, I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm paying $300 for that visit. That yeah. could have been handled over the phone. He was yeah. her primary doctor. He knew my dad died. He knew my mother's condition. There, We didn't need an office visit, really. Yeah. And I said, you either bill it right or you're just not getting paid. 
like, take my mom to court, you know, yeah. it's not going to get you anywhere. It's so. really good that you're an advocate like that, though, because one of the things I always share, um, we do a webinar here every couple of weeks where people can come and just learn the basics of Medicare. And one of the reasons I like to educate the public about Medicare is that scenario that you just described is really common. And so these poor people, you know, they're thrust into this national healthcare system. There's all these parts and plans and co-pays and deductibles, and they've got to figure all that out. And they finally figure that stuff out and get their plans in place. And they think that that's the end of it. <laughs> and uh-oh, it's really not. So um, it is so common for a provider to misbill something and Medicare will just deny it. And if the average Medicare beneficiary has to sort through and figure out why it got denied in the first place. They're calling Medicare, they're calling their doctor's office, and it is so overwhelming and confusing. Sometimes it can be that you retired and Medicare still thinks that you're working. So it rejects all the bills because it thinks that it's secondary because your employer never notified Medicare that you now retired and Medicare is gonna be primary. And so if you have a hospital stay, this will result in rejections from the anesthesiologist, from the surgeon, from the labs, from, I mean, it is crazy. And so um, one of the things that David and I, my brother built here at Boomer Benefits was a client service team to deal with these kinds of issues. So that um, when this, this happens, a client can just call us and we dive in and handle it. And I am continually amazed at the stuff that they have to go through to fix things. Like it is a nightmare beyond belief. And I always think to myself, like, what does somebody who's 80 years old do when they didn't have an agent that provided this? Or, you know, I think a lot of them just let the bill sit and it hits their credit. Or, you know, if they're not strong enough willed or have an advocate like you, an, an adult child or someone to step in and say, hey, this is not gonna happen. Um, a lot of times they just pay the bill or they, uh, they don't pay it and then it affects their credit score. And, and it's all because somebody pushed a wrong code and Medicare says, Oop, we don't cover that. And it gets denied when all along it should have been paid just like clockwork. And um, it's truly mind boggling the stuff that happens. It really is. Yeah, I was shocked. That was, I don't know what, how I, I think sometimes it's just, it's like, a certain percentage is just going to get billed wrong and we'll hope they'll pay. Yeah. Cause it was tempting. Yeah. It was, you know, my dad's estate, which, you know, is there to take care of my mom. Mm -hmm. Had enough money to pay the stupid 1200 and odd change bill. Yeah. But I was so ticked off and her doctor is literally like a mile and a quarter down the hill from my house. So if I'm going anywhere, I'm almost <laughs> passing their office and I'd go in there and you know, the, if I walked in there without mom, you could tell they're like, Oh crap. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried, I'm like, it's not going to do any good to yell and scream. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I used to do when I was in Catch my twenties. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, I don't want to have to change doctors, but we did, as I started to say, I think it's about, it was in the summer. So dad died March. So we're talking June, July of 2017. I don't remember what triggered it. I think it was a pharmacy bill or something for my mom. And my mom's pharmacy bill is pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. Everything was getting rejected. So, of course, now i got to call Medicare again. They don't yes. want to talk to me. And yes. basically what they told me is she doesn't have Medicare. I'm like, and then her health insurance <laughs> told me she didn't have health insurance. I'm like, excuse me, we've been paying the premium since dad died. Yeah. Which then we found out 
and this is so confusing. The first year after my dad died, my mom did not have a premium with the phone company. Okay. Into year two, which is where we're at now. Are we into year three? Died. I'm somewhere. It's only April, so it's a little confusing. <laughs> she does, and it's it's not cheap, but it's not expensive, and not for what she has. I mean, she has Cadillac coverage on everything, and then you know, if she got cancer or something, she also has all this catastrophic care, which like I we're see. not we're not going to use that if if she had cancer or something that would just be not. Yeah, she wouldn't understand treatment, so that, that's not even an option. But I'm afraid to even say, well, what happened if we dropped that? Because <laughs> yeah. I know what happens. You start messing with things. And yes. I, my husband spent hours on the phone getting her health insurance straightened back out. It was a nightmare. And, mm-hmm. you know, I spend 10 minutes on the phone with those people and I'm done. Yeah. My husband can say it's, it's exhausting. Like, oh. it's well, like and I just get so, I get so frustrated. I just start yelling. And that's, of course, yeah. beneficial. I think that's, but it does, it It makes you angry because you're, you know, you're, you're trying to gain the answer about something and then they transfer you to someone else and they, well, I got to talk to my supervisor. And so you're telling your story over and over again. And, Mm -hmm. um, I know just how frustrating that could be. It's when we tell our clients, don't call yourself, just call here because by, (laughs) if you call yourself first, by the time you call, remember that you could have pass that off to your boomer benefits rep, you, your hair is going to have fallen out. Like you, you will, you will already be so upset and there's just no need for that because we can get to the right people so much more quickly. But, um, something you had said there about the Medicare telling that she doesn't have Medicare. See, we're not allowed to say that. So if someone enrolls in an advantage plan, your agent can never say to you that you don't have Medicare. This would be a huge no, no. You have to say, you're currently enrolled in an Advantage plan, and while you're in the Advantage plan, you, your provider sends the bills to the Advantage plan. But you can't say you're not in Medicare or you replaced Medicare. So it's funny to me that the rep would tell you, "Yeah, she's not in Medicare." <laughs> oh no, I think this was Medicare telling me that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's nuts for her to. No, well, she's allowed to say that, but we're not. <laughs> oh well, now that ex- see, now I understand because I was like. The woman is, okay, so this was two, almost two years ago. So she yeah. was 74. I'm like, she's 74 years old. Of course old. she's on Medicare. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, you know, if I don't have to deal with you people, I'm happy with that. But they're like, no, she asked. It was like, my husband came in the office <laughs> and he's like, I will handle it. He just literally takes the phone out of my hand. Yeah. He, he stands there and he's on the speaker because, he of course, the they're steam not. steam coming out of your ears oh, in geez, there. Yeah, I'm like turning all shades of purple. And he, he's there on speakerphone because obviously as the son-in-law, you know, he's not a a trustee of the estate. He's not technically legally in charge of mom like my sister and I are. Okay. So obviously they're seriously not going to talk to him. Yeah. But he just told the gal, he's like, he he said, you do not want to keep talking to my wife. That won't be a bet. She's right here. She can answer questions, but. And he was, he was basically trying to politely say, you've pissed her off. Yeah. So you better you talk need, to me or it's going to be worse for you. Lady. Yeah. It's just, you know, he's like, we need to get this solved. So he's mm-hmm. a real estate agent and he had to, and he was in banking for 20 years. I see. So when the whole, you know, real estate market imploded and to deal, deal with the short sales and the um, bankruptcy, you know, homes sold mm-hmm. in bankruptcy or foreclosure. There we go. That's the right word he'd be on the phone for hours. And sometimes it's like you'd, he'd get an email from the bank 
who's in on the East Coast, we're in California, and they're like, you need to respond with, to this within an X amount of time. And it would be less than eight hours. So it's like, okay, well, you sent this to me at like seven o'clock in the morning, your time, which was yeah. four o'clock in the morning here. I'm sorry, I'm not awake 24 hours to get your stupid emails. <laughs> I don't even know how he survived. Actually, it's when I finally convinced him that he needed to go to the gym to burn off steam. Yeah. Because there were mornings by eight o'clock, he was stressed and angry and just like, he was ready to start hitting the beers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Takes the of a saint for that stuff. Yeah. So he's much better at dealing with bureaucracy. I don't deal with bureaucracy. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Mm. I haven't worked corporate since 1991, early 91, yeah. so 27 years almost 28 years, actually 28 years. So, you know, and I'm 52. So that math pretty much. I don't do corporate. I tell people I don't play well with others. That's why I work on my own. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't deal well with the corporate nonsense and the government nonsense. No, I can't deal with that. So, yes. And just think like this, my point is these people, you know, some of them, we have clients in their nineties and they have no idea when a bill like that gets rejected. And I would love to know the dollar figure on, on what the nation spends on bills where they just pay it, even if they don't think they owe it simply to make it go away. Oh yeah. That was so tempting. Cause that it was probably six months, you know, I'd get a, I don't think I got a bill every month, which is also weird. Cause you'd think they'd send it almost weekly. And all of a sudden, one of the visits dropped off. And I'm like, well, they obviously figured out how to bill for the one that was in September yeah. of 2016. Okay. What about so these I just other kept ones? Waiting. Yeah, they, it finally all got paid or they gave up. I don't yeah. know. What I'm assuming that all got <laughs> paid. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. So for caregiver, from a caregiver's perspective, what should you know, adult children who are caring for people like my mom with memory loss know about Medicare's coverage and memory-related health conditions. Oh, sure. memory-related health conditions, sorry. Yeah. So the good news on that is Medicare pretty much covers anything that is medically necessary. So while they don't, what Medicare doesn't cover is long-term care. So it's not going to pay for assisted living or the nursing home itself, but it is going to pay for any medical needs that you have no matter where you live, independently or in a nursing home. It's going to take care of all of those things. Um, so it's really important for a person to have be enrolled in Medicare parts A and B, some sort of supplemental, an advantage plan or a supplement, um, and then be sure that there's drug coverage within there because a lot of times that some of the newer medications that they use now um, for treating people with dementias um, is uh, important and you want to have access to those medications. So it's good to always be in a Part D plan. Also important to know that your Part D plans renew every year. So you might have a plan that's going along fine and it's covering mom's medication. And you you perhaps wouldn't know that in September, the drug company is going to mail a packet out. And that packet is called the annual notice of change. And it's telling you everything that's changing with that drug plan from this year to the next year. So that could be your premium, the co-pays, the pharmacy network, the list of medications is the big one. And it's really important that you sit down and review that for 10 minutes, you know, every fall. Make sure that the change that's happening, you're okay with the premium change, you're okay with any changes in the co-pays, and that um, there's no important medications that your loved one takes that are being dropped from the formulary next year. Because some of these drugs, of course, are still under patent, so they could be very expensive if you didn't have um, 
the, a plan that covered them. And if you find that one of the important drugs is being dropped from the formulary next year, you have that annual election period in the fall from October 15th to December 7th to make a change to another drug plan. And this you can do really easily by going to medicare.gov and there's a plan finder tool there. You can enter the medications, including dosage and frequently that your loved one takes. And Medicare will do all the work for you. It'll crunch the numbers and tell you, it'll spit out a list of plans and rank them in order from the most cost-effective plan to the least cost-effective plan. And so when you're looking at the plans, um, you wanna look at the total spending. So sometimes the plan with the lowest overall annual spending is not the one with the lowest premium, but Medicare has already calculated in that determination that that's the plan that's gonna be the most cost effective. I also like when, I'm, when we're running them for our clients here, we do the analysis um, for free for all of our Medigap policyholders. When I'm running them or one of my team is running them, we go into the first two or three plans and we look to see what kind of drug um, management tools are in there. So if you have one with a quantity limit and one without on a certain medication, sometimes it might be worth it might be worth it to pay a couple dollars more per month for a plan where you don't have to get a prior authorization or you don't have to get a quantity limit reapproved every year. Uh, Part D also has something called step therapy where um, you will find that the the drug is on the list for the formulary that it's covered, but it'll have this little thing next to it that says ST, which means step therapy, and that means that you agree to um, try other cheaper medications before the drug plan will fill the one that, that it, you take. And sometimes it's easy to get those overturned because your doctor can file an exception and say, hey, we've already tried the less expensive medicines, they don't work. Um, but sometimes you haven't tried those other medications, but you're on a medication that's working really well or it's working really well for the person you care for, and you don't want to mess that up. So, you know, having to go through and try this other medicine and get it cheaper before they'll cover the one that you really need can be a huge hassle. So when you're researching those, those are things you want to look at. Which plan is going to be the least expensive? Look at the top two or three lowest cost plans, click through and see, are there going to be any restrictions on these medications that might cause a hassle for me? Um, because maybe the next plan doesn't have that same restriction and would save you a huge headache um, just because they're going to just fill it without question. So that's something really important to look for. Okay. So I know when I get the packet in September, now I know what to look for. Yeah. Because it's like, it's, and I don't think anything's changed in the two years you know, 17 and 18 that mm -hmm. I've gotten these giant packets and gone, I don't know what to do. I with know this. like a door stopper. <laughs> I know it's like, but, and, and I look at it. Oh, and then we get all this stuff from her, the, from United healthcare and silver script. So I get like yeah. small yellow pages, which I know a lot of, well, my listeners probably remember yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a way old school. It's like, do I have to keep all this crap? Cause it's yeah. like, I don't want, I mean, I had, I redid my office and I have two lateral file cabinets. One's for me and one's for mom's stuff. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to fill up any more file drawers with stuff I don't need. It's just crazy. Yeah. But now I know what to look for. And that's great. And I will have this for a reference. So that's excellent. Yes. And then when you do look at those new packets, you can throw out the packet from the year before 
um, as soon as January comes around so that you're not collecting a bunch of past <laughs> ones because they're only good that formulary is only going to be good for that one year at a time. Also great to know. Yeah. So does Medicare cover caregiver support or respite care? I think I heard a change in that recently. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, um, Medicare does cover a little bit under original Medicare, and then there is a change under the Advantage plans. So if your loved one is on hospice, they've been certified hospice, so six months or less to live, um, they can, uh, almost everything that they have done is covered almost 100% at that rate. And the caregiver can file for a respite care of up to five days, and this can be done and usually you'll be taking them to an inpatient facility and uh, they'll care for them during those few days and the maximum copay that you would pay for that would be five percent so very little out of pocket that you would have to spend to be able to get that during hospice um, and then advantage plans uh, you may remember earlier i was talking about how they can have some ancillary benefits like dental vision and hearing well, last year in April 2018, CMS announced that suddenly Advantage plans are now going to be allowed to offer what we call supplemental home health care benefits. So these are going to be things like in-home support services for custodial care, so people to help you with bathing, dressing, toileting, um, adult daycare services, safety modifications like wheelchair ramps or bathroom grab bars, meal delivery, and even transportation to and from um, doctor's offices. And so the key to remember on this is that Medicare is now allowing the Advantage plans to include these benefits. So that doesn't mean that all Advantage plans will have them, but I suspect that we will see a lot more in 2020 roll them out because it's a huge selling feature for them. Um, and they can manage it with a network. So insurance companies are much better at managing costs than Medicare itself, in my opinion. <laughs> so um, that is something to look for. So if you have an Advantage plan and you get your annual notice of change packet, you might look this fall to see, is the Advantage plan that you're on going to be incorporating any of these new benefits that might be helpful to you in uh, as a caregiver because they're building those in. And it's very interesting that they're only allowing this with Advantage plans, not with original Medicare. So um, I'll be very interested to see these next couple of years what other types of benefits they try to build in because it feels to me like the government is like yeah enroll in the advantage plan that's all good because when you sign up for an advantage plan the federal government pays that advantage plan a set monthly amount to roll your benefits out to you and for budgeting purposes uh, at the CBO now they can tell you exactly what you're going to cost because they're going to pay the Medicare Advantage plan X dollars times 12 for all the months that you're enrolled. Whereas when you age into Medicare at 65, if you're an original Medicare, you could cost the government $10 this year or you could cost them a million dollars. You're a big question mark. You know, nobody knows what your health is. So it feels to me like they're building in these things to sort of more privatize and make those act, um, plans a little more attractive to people. And I think that we'll see a lot more plans build them in next year because when they announced last year in April that these were being rolled out, well, the plans have to have their final design submitted to CMS by June or July. So they had very little time to react to this new benefit and have their actuaries figure everything out. So now that they've had another year, I think this fall we'll see quite a few more Advantage plans begin to offer some of those benefits. That's really interesting because I, I believe it's been about a year when my mom's health insurance company would call me 
like at least once a month, if not more, to schedule her, basically her home doctor visit. Okay. Which they always managed to do that after we'd gone to the doctor. She does not go <laughs> a lot because physically she's pretty good. Mentally, she's not. Yeah. So, you know, the only thing, and I I really should do this, but it's it's complicated. She needs to have her, she's blood work done. And okay. I keep threatening to call them and see, can you go in early in the morning before they serve them breakfast? Because they have to fast for 12 hours for this blood test. And do okay. the blood draw there. Because there is no way in Hades, and I've even talked to the administrator of the memory residence that she's at just this week, actually, there's no way she can fast for 12 hours and not get fed breakfast. She'd actually have to come stay with me. And that's not, that just, especially at night that causes more confusion. So it's like, you know, her brain is dying. I'm not sure I'm worrying about her cholesterol. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's like point though. Yeah. It, I mean, we went to the neurologist earlier this year and, you know, she's got, what did they say, like moderate brain atrophy, which moderate was an interesting word to use because she literally cannot remember two minutes ago. Yeah. Her visual processing is really screwed up. It's interesting to see her. We were out walking in the regional park and it was a bright sunny day. And so there was lots of shadows on the ground and she's literally tippy-toeing and, and, and testing the ground with her foot to make sure it was safe. And I'm like, mm. it's flat. What are you doing? Yeah. And then I remembered when we were at the neurologist, the neurologist wanted her to touch her nose with her finger and then the neurologist's nose. And she did that okay a couple of times. And then it started, like, I was afraid she was going to poke the gal's eye out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really interesting because at first she did it okay. And then it was like her Just, finger was all over the place. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that explains a lot of things. Her, you know, her brain is not processing what her eyes are seeing. So, yes. um, but the neurologist said, and she could live 10 years, which is not exactly exciting, unless something happens like she gets pneumonia or she gets the flu or whatever. Yeah. And I did like this neurologist because I said, my mom never wanted to be like this. She did not want to live in a memory residence. She didn't want to be a burden to my sister and I. And the doctor said, well, if she gets sick, then just don't treat it. I'm like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I don't have to fight people. We had to, I had to fight with my dad's nephrologist, the kidney doctor. Mm -hmm. And because he had decided on his own, he was not going back on dialysis yeah but he didn't tell anybody he needed to be so this is how we ended up plunged in the nightmare the 32 days in the hospital and it was terrible Mm. while he was in the hospital she's telling me that he needs somebody to drive him to dialysis and they have to sit with him because his memory isn't good anymore because he basically poisoned his body Mm -hmm. and you know so he doesn't understand that he can't pull out the whatever and I, I just told her, I said, we were on the phone. And I said, um, excuse me, but I work. My husband works, my sister and my brother-in-law work. I said, so what you're telling me is I have to drive from my hometown to theirs, which was 20 miles, half hour, 40 minutes, pick him up, drive halfway back 
to the city where the dialysis was, sit with him for four hours and drive him home. So you're talking about six hours a week, a day, three times a week. No, I said, this is yeah. not what he wanted. If this is what we're looking at, we need to, we need to respect his wishes and call hospice. Yep. Next thing I know, I hear click in a dial tone. Oh. <laughs> so oh fortunately my. she has not walked in front of my car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because there are certain things that I just don't get over, and that was one of them. So when he ended up in the hospital again for a week because he'd fallen, it was a different hospital, and both nephrologists there were like, oh, we're doing hospice. Okay. And I was like, oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, should, it shouldn't be that hard. My grandmother um, was on dialysis for years, and then she just decided, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. The whole family flew in. We had a chance to say our goodbyes. She was gone in seven days. It was exactly what she wanted. And, you know, I think that um, the studies that show that Medicare spends the bulk of its money on your, uh, on your lifetime in the last six weeks of your life. And there is a, there's cause to have a conversation with your family, you know, while everyone is still lucid and make sure that you know what their wishes are because there's no need to put them through that if it's something that they would have never uh, condoned if they were in their right mind. Yeah. If I had known, and I've said this, we, we went, my husband and my daughter and I went this one particular, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, 2016 to spend time with them, put up Christmas decorations for mom, all that kind of stuff. And my husband showed up first and my dad thought it was 1998. So this was 28 days after the last time I'd spent the day with them. Uh-huh. And he seemed mentally fine. I don't, at this point, looking back with hindsight, I don't think he was as cognitively okay as we thought. I mean, compared to mom, anybody is better off. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. If I had known what was going on, that his donated kidney was failing, I would never have taken him to the hospital. I would have right. called hospice right then, which... That would have presented its own nightmares with family dynamics and stuff, but that's what he wanted. He did not tell us that that's what he was doing. He thought he'd go. It took, well, took long. Well, we had a month where he had dialysis, but it, he mm -hmm. left the hospital December 28th, 2016 and passed away March 2nd, 2017. So two and a half months, yeah, three months. And yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was mm -hmm. like, they said this could take, well, the, the kidney doctor that I talked to when we decided that we were going on hospice, she said it could take anywhere from 10 days to, I think, did she say six months? That was such a long, torturous conversation. Yeah. I think she did say it could take six months, but she didn't think it would. I think she thought it would take less. And yeah, but that's one of my biggest regrets is he didn't tell us what he was doing. He didn't confide in anybody Mm -hmm. that I really probably should be on dialysis. We've already discussed this. I'm not doing that. We need to take the next steps. Yeah. No, instead it was just a nightmare for him because he was in the hospital for a month. That's no fun. And it's just a nightmare for everybody. You know, him, my mom, the four adult kids, one adult grandchild, two other grandchildren. I mean, it was just, it was not what we needed to do. Yeah. And his mom, I forget about his mom. <laughs> so, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those conversations are important. And I, yes. I, I, I now know that he couldn't have been in his right mind because if he had gone the way he wanted to, just gone to sleep and not woken up, 
my mom wouldn't have known he was dead. Mm. So that would have been pretty. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, these conversations are important. And in understanding all this, I was really excited to do this conversation today because like I said, they won't talk to me. So I'm relatively, I was relatively clueless 40 minutes ago. Now I'm way less clueless. And I'm actually kind of excited to get that packet in September. Yes, because you'll know what it's for, you know, and there's no, this is why I always say they need that class because there should be, somebody needs to tell people about this. And a lot of people do this. They sign up on their own online because sometimes, you know, at 65, you're healthy and you do everything. And and then later for someone to come behind you and try to figure out what your coverage is, it's really tricky. Yeah, I'm in that boat. Yep. I don't know why they wouldn't do a, a webinar like weekly or that would just make think, everybody's life better. I realize it would be very expensive, but I think that it would save so much money. It would save literally millions of phone calls to Medicare every year because people get that packet. They don't know what it is, what they're supposed to do with it. Uh, another thing people think is that during the annual election period in the fall that they can sign up for any Medicare supplement they want and no health questions asked. And that's not the case at all. The annual election period is for changing your drug plan or your advantage plan. It has nothing to do with your Medigap plan. So you'll have people that um, will be trying to make a change to their coverage that they can't make and they don't understand why it's not going through. So it just seems to me like a, if um, the government came up with a mandatory video that everybody had to watch <laughs> before, it would just be so helpful. It's a pipe dream, but it would be very nice. Well, it's they're very far behind the times in technology. Yeah, that's true. Just a basic how-to video. Here's here's the yeah. stuff you need to know. Mm-hmm. And because I think most people would click on it. They, yeah. You know, the statistics are that, like, if you go in a Google search, um, you know, videos are ranking high. It's because that's what people want to see. That's what they want to see. And we can put it out, which we do. But people are going to be more likely to respond to something and notice from the government saying, come watch this and learn what medi- learn what you need to know about Medicare now while you're age 50 or 55 or whenever they want to do it. And then people could be prepared. You know, I've had a number of people come in here over the years ready to retire and looking forward to their golden years and then just be utterly shocked and dismayed to find out that Medicare isn't free and that they have to pay for this stuff. And I've watched them, many, many couples I've watched say, you know what, I'm going to need to work for a few more years. Never mind. I'm not going to sign up for this right now. And it's because they didn't budget enough. And I don't know if it's because financial planners maybe sometimes are afraid to ask about health. Maybe it's a little too private, but it is a conversation your financial planner should be having with you about you know, when you turn 65 and your, you know, your life expectancy is X and there's going to be healthcare costs associated. Let me run you through just a brief example. We need to hit this target so that you have enough money put away to afford your Medicare benefits, you know, for long-term care or to buy a long-term care insurance policy, all those things. A lot of people don't know that Medicare doesn't cover long-term care and that's a, another shock that they go through. So just so much education that we could get out there at an earlier at an earlier date that would uh, save the world, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I did a this week. So this is the week. Well, today is April nineteenth. This will come out in May. Mm-hmm. But, um, the we, the sixteenth when I, the episode I lo- dropped on the sixteenth was all on long term care and all of the social yeah, media promoting it was. It. You know, it was not a boring conversation. It's very helpful because I know my dad looked into it and then rejected it because it was too expensive. But now there's a lot more options and it's, yeah, 
and you can customize them. And you, the my parents, um, the one that they have, we made sure that uh, they could get benefits in their own home, um, and they could also have it in a facility. We made sure there was an inflation rider. And you know, when I was talking to my parents about it, because a lot of times when we try to talk to clients about it, and we don't sell that type of coverage here. But um, when people will say, "Well, you know, just." take me out back and shoot me. I'm not going to go do that. You know, and this, this attitude is terrible because then no planning happens and you want to know what you want to be able to make your plans. And that's kind of how I talk to my parents about it is I need to know what you want and what you think. And obviously I will have you stay with me for as long as possible, but there could come a time where to care for you and I'm still working, I'm going to need someone to help. And this policy will help us pay for that. And so, um, you know, I just feel really good about the, the policy and uh, I wish that people realize that the sooner you buy it, the less expensive it is. So if you buy it early enough, the premiums are really quite manageable um, and then it's there if you need it. Yeah. The, one of the examples the guest that I spoke to told me about was like a very early worker, you know, in their early and mid twenties, if they invested in one of these policies in a short period of time, and I think it was 17 years, but don't quote me because I don't remember numbers very well. <laughs> um, they basically have like paid into it fully. And this is another thing. It's like hubby needs to listen to that episode because yeah. he explained it really well. And I don't know, maybe it's just my, I, my like little social in uh, creative, uh, free butterfly world. I don't, I just don't, <laughs> Like, I understand everything you've been telling me. And like I said, I'm excited to get that packet in September because now I know what to look for. Yes. But I'll make sure hubby listens to this one too. But, it, you know, he, when he was talking about long-term care insurance, it was like, man, I, will, I wish I'd known about this stuff earlier. Right. Because at 52, it's not going to be cheap. Although if I live to be as long as my grandmother, 101. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> And, but then, you know, my mom is 76 and she has to be in a memory facility. So yeah, it's like hard to know. And it's just, I just told everybody like in all my promoting of the show is that, you know, this wasn't boring and it was highly informative and Hey, you don't have to worry about this guy trying to sell you something. Cause I took the hit for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was really good. He didn't. He didn't yeah, try he was to good. Sell I took notes during that episode because even though um, me being in the industry, since we don't sell that product, um, he taught me a couple things that I hadn't known before. And um, I think it's good to work with when you do buy a long-term care insurance policy, it's good to buy it from someone that specializes in that because it is, there's so many different riders and there's different products too. You can get um, life insurance and annuities that have riders on them now that are long-term care. And it, I don't think it's a type of policy you want to buy from someone that isn't specializing in that because that's a super important piece to your future and sit down with a professional who really knows what they're doing on long-term care. And uh, I think I heard the sweet spot for buying a policy is like late thirties, early forties. You can get a great rate. It's still quite affordable. And um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. I missed that window. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, all the sooner the better. 15, 20 years ago it was a totally different scenarios. So yeah. that's the thing is it's always changing. So what you, yeah. you think, you know, unless somebody has said, Hey, you know, you got all these new, you know, Medicare, um, advantage plans or these new long-term care plans. You, you might not even think to look cause you know, like only crazy people want to look at that stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. And this is what I, I tell people all the time too. I'm like, nobody is excited to learn Medicare, right? You, know, you don't, when you're getting ready to retire, you're not saying, yippee, let's go to a Medicare webinar. Like, and I usually start my webinars off that way and it makes everybody at ease and laugh because let's face it, right? Nobody wants to talk about the four parts of Medicare and all the different gaps that get filled in and how much money it's going to cost you. Like, this is not a fun conversation, but knowledge is power. And so once you understand your options, you're going to just feel so much more comfortable. And I think there is a lot to be said for insurance of any kind that you buy that when you're sitting in the hospital, you don't have to worry about what bills are hitting your mailbox at home. Or if something happens and you need to have long-term care, you're not worrying about burdening your children. So all of those things are, you know, important things to consider. And people need to keep in mind the take me out back and shoot me option is illegal. I'm tired I do not of hearing that one. Yeah, I don't want to spend. <laughs> that was kind of my dad's attitude, and it was like, yeah, it it goes back to a conversation I had with my mom. This was prior to 2005, and I knew she had memory issues, and she, I don't think she ever ever admitted she had a problem. I think she just slid into yeah having a problem and not remembering. Mm-hmm. She she had she didn't recognize her own handwriting at this one particular yeah. moment. And I, she said, well, I don't want to end up like my mother. And I remember thinking, well, murder's illegal. What the hell am I supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and that was probably before you could go on the dark web and get some bad drugs. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. My husband reminds me that's illegal too. Yes. So, yeah, you know, if you don't want to be a burden to your children, the long-term health care, pardon me, long-term yeah. care insurance and all of the stuff we've talked to today, you know, suffer through a couple hours of learning about this. You don't have to do it all at once. Yeah, Just, you can learn it once too. And then you've got your stuff down and set it aside. And it's not, you know, it's not really hard to understand once you sit down and actually someone shows it to you. It's a lot less confusing than you might think. Yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. And where can people find out more about Boomer Benefits? Because you sound like you've got some great services that you offer. Sure. So you can find us online at boomerbenefits.com. If you're in the market for some Medicare stuff, you can sign up for a webinar where you can learn all the ins and outs. Um, We also have a six-day email mini course. So if you'd like to see an email a day with a video of yours truly teaching you a little piece of Medicare in short bite-sized pieces, that's another good way. And then pretty much on any social media, you can find us at Boomer Benefits. Um, We have a pretty good Facebook page, almost 200,000 followers. And it's because we do a lot of stuff that's a lot more fun than just Medicare. But you'll learn a little bit about Medicare along the way too. And that's probably the best way to to get it down. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will definitely check out the Facebook page. I'm not a huge Facebook person user anymore, mm-hmm. but I know our target audiences are there. So I jump in there when I have to, Yeah, but I'll definitely right. check out that page because, you know, getting closer to needing to know all this stuff yep. for myself. If you have a question, you can shoot it to us there and we'll be glad to answer. Well, this has been fantastic and you guys, I, I appreciate it. I know the listeners should appreciate it. There's probably a lot of people out there going, oh, they're probably the same as me going, oh, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, now I know what that big packet is that I, it's kindling. It's not just kindling for your fire. <laughs> it actually has some information that you, in there that you need. Now, now, I'm in California, gas oh. fire only. <laughs> we don't talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, my, in my, there's parts of our city where wood burning fireplaces were outlawed, mm-hmm. which 
I like them, but my daughter has asthma, so I understand that how yeah. just a little bit of smoke just flares up her asthma. So, yeah, I don't That's even have better. a. Pl- I have to throw the packet into the recycling. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's where you put it. Exactly. I might make sure that all your mom's meds are on there and it's all good. Then you just recycle it and that's a great place for it. I'll make sure that this year's goes in the compost next spring. So the the 2019 will, because it's like on recycled paper. So we can do that. Well, thank you so much. You have a fantastic weekend. Yes. Thank you for having me. I sure enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday. Coming up in just a sec is a promo from another podcast that you might find helpful. It's called Ang Zenity, and it's about a gentleman who's been through all types of mental health struggles and how he managed to come out the other side. And it's a way for you to find ways that you can do better with your mental state. And I know caregivers need that. So I hope you enjoy. And if you like it, give it a listen. Do you or someone you know struggle through life with anxiety-related mental disorders? Ever get that feeling that you are one of the few? I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. Take a journey with me as I talk about key points in my past and how they may have led to me being diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder after which we will talk about different ways to tone down the anxiety and maybe even beat it together on anxiety. The easiest way to remember the name is by thinking about how one searches for a state of zen in the midst of the anxieties of life. My name is Gerald, and I'm the host of anxiety.